1: Alright, welcome to this episode of the JRE Review. Um, podcasts have been scarce. A lot of this is because Joe Rogan is now touring with Dave Chappelle, or at least he was a lot last week, and I know they have more dates to go, so, you know, podcasts are on the backbone burner, But that's okay, we got a couple to end the week with. Whitney Cummings, uh, the legend of comedy that she is, and then Brian Moses... I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mark, who, what's up, Mark? What
0: up? Dude, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle, are they coming to LA? Can we get on that?
1: I don't think that they are. I'm not sure what they're, well, they hit Seattle, they hit Oregon, they're kind of like in different places. They went to Utah. It's kind of weird they're not doing an LA one, unless I'm just being ridiculous and I haven't seen it, but I don't remember seeing anything for that how immense is that show like to see those two perform and then ian edwards is opening up for them as well oh man i mean
0: i would i would watch i would go to a dave Chappelle concert if a candle opened up for him Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it'd be Mm just a watermelon on stage just in front of a microphone for microphone for an hour doing nothing
1: i'd be like this is you have to watch it Completely burn out completely before Dave comes on.
0: I would do it. I'd pay a lot of money to do yeah. it too.
1: <laughs> a candle, then some paint drawing, and then Chappelle. Still the best show you've ever, ever seen. Ever. Yeah, still the best show. I would love to see what his new material I is. I assume he's he's building up to another one of those Netflix specials, which are brilliant. I mean, he's raising the bar in what those specials are for sure. Oh, he
0: is. I mean dude, I went and had lunch with my brother and I was quoting some of his bits and my brother was just dying, like dying. I was like, dude, you have to watch his Netflix specials. They're so good. He's like, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm like, just, I'm like, you don't even realize. And we were talking about how we really grew up with stand-up comedy. Like our parents watched standup like crazy. Like it was a very big thing in our house. Like Sunday nights, Fox always had Sunday night, like comedy on, um hosted usually by an old comic named Wayne Cotter who's still a favorite of mine he doesn't even tour anymore he just does corporate gigs I looked, looked him up like a month ago and I was like this dude no was so damn funny he always cracks me up I miss him I really do but he would host this show on Fox Sunday nights and it was great It was a bunch of up-and-coming comics you know back then this was 20 years ago this is when this 30 years ago it's like around this time the Simpsons premiered and things like that. Married with Children was still on the air, stuff like that. Wow. So and like stand-up specials, like everything. Our parents just inundated with us, and they loved comedy. That and then like Mel Brooks movies, Airplane, comedies like that. That was our that was our house, just nonstop laughter because of comedy. So, um, but yeah, that. That's all I
1: have. <laughs> do, do you think that that was a big reason Huge. why you got into stand-up? Huge.
0: I also think it's one of the reasons I I I would I probably had a better handle on stand-up when I first started out than a lot of comics. First of all, I started when I was much older. Um, so I think, you know, b- b- it's hard to... There are funny comics in their 20s, no doubt. But a lot of comics will tell you they didn't really feel like they became a true stand-up comic until... They were much older because you've done some shit. You've lived through some shit. You've experienced things. You have age and wisdom combined to inform your perspective on the world, your views on life. And let's face it, comedy is just an extension of those things. So, but I feel like people
1: people on what's that? People aren't taking, well, people aren't taking people in their twenties all that seriously. Well, anyway, you know, I mean, unless you're that age as well. When it comes to stand up, right? You're you're reflecting on things that you've seen and experienced, and you and you're trying to do it with a little bit of authority, exactly. In a sense, even if you're a silly comedian, you've got to be like, I've been there, I've done that. That's why you get that streak of comedians that are like 40 to 50 Mm -hmm. slightly onwards and they're talking about family they're talking about jobs you know they they can just talk about everything but they look like dads right they do nowhere else does that work that doesn't work on like in the movies or on tv or you know i mean snl snl is made up of 40 year olds yeah, it but feels like it, young, doesn't it? it? Feels like it sometimes. So, but but I mean, know, obviously, it, there it just is that
0: there are going to be exceptions. This is a, a funny young comic who you and I um, have worked with named Dave, um, Black Kid, and I think he comes from Missouri, and I think he's uh, he's a he's funny. He's got funny jokes, but he also comes from a unique perspective of being an African American growing up in a mostly you know white neighborhood, and he's had different experiences with that, and I think. He brings those experiences to his comedy, and he has something to say on it because he lived it his entire life. So even though he's still young and ridiculously more handsome than either of us combined, um, you know, he's got something to say because of the circumstances of his life. And I think that informs a lot of comedy. But uh, you know, things weren't. I mean, I had a normal childhood. Some some parts shitty, some parts great. So it took some age for me to get a real perspective. On things, I think. But my parents showing comedy to us so often, I think, really helped me understand, like, what funny is, how how to tell a joke. Uh, you know, just the rhyme and the meter and the rhythm of joke telling. I learned that from, I feel like, watching stand-up and from Mel Brooks movies, because that is the funniest dude on the planet.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you, you know, you are right about Dave. I mean, it does help to have had... A lot of crazy experiences, it and and you can squeeze them in earlier for sure because you just find a voice for Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that therapy that allows you to kind of kind of get through it. But it but even even that being said, I mean, you what what is the peak? Right? True, because it's a combination of how good your comedy is, mm-hmm. but also where your reputation is. Like exactly. who knows who you are, who's following you, and it's kind of a beautiful journey to know. Unlike being an actor, whereas you know, a lot of times you got to be good looking to be an actor, mm. or you got to have a look that works. A look that shit's gonna fade, so you got True. to get in. With comedy, it's like just look like something and continue to improve. And these guys are peaking, like Chappelle and 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 Rogan are in their fifties. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Chappelle Chappelle may be in his late 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 forties, but I mean he's Yeah, you might be right.
0: Because he's a couple of years older than me, I think. Let's see. I was Chappelle's show came out when I just graduated college, I believe. So he's probably about ten years older than me, maybe, so
1: Oh, okay. Maybe either way. He's close, right? Maybe less. And over the next ten years he's gonna be able to really bank on that. So it's it's purely the experience portion Mm -hmm. of this skill set that that we go for, yeah. I mean, it's important. It's important. It still gives us a chance, is what I'm saying. I mean, I
0: did a show. We, we yeah, got,
1: <laughs> we got time. We, a, got time. we
0: we've gone from no chance to slim chance.
1: <laughs> slim, yeah, slim to none, but some. But I was
0: doing a show. Okay. I was doing a show with a bunch of young comics a couple of weeks ago, and, and funny guys. I mean, they they can tell a joke, um, but a lot of it was about hand jobs. And I was like, eh, you know handjobs, uh, well, not that funny to me anymore. Like, mm. just, I mean, it's just like, uh, how many different ways can you go about handjobs? You know, this yeah. guy was like,
1: how did, how? Yeah, on. this
0: one guy uh, was talking about, he's like, all right, so I'm going to give you the top three handjobs I've ever had in my life. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Okay. Now this will be interesting. Cause it's like, eh, I don't know what, <laughs> what perspective, and he didn't really have a perspective on it. He didn't really, he just kind of like listed them. I was like, well, that's, that's, it's like one of those food, like recipe, recipes, you want to find a recipe online, and it's just like a food blog, and they just tell you about the time that, you know, their mother made this for them, you are like, just give me the fucking recipe. That's kind of how I felt about that set. I was like, oh, just don't, don't list your favorite handjobs, just get to, get to the nitty gritty. (laughs)
1: Anyway. Sure. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's the thing with, with the different audiences. True. There'd just be certain ones that that will want more will want that unique perspective and when the comic doesn't deliver it you are just stood there with people not really laughing as hard as you want yeah with the energy that you want so you'll go oh oh there's something missing here i need to really find out it's not just the the top superficial little bit of laughter where's where's the death? where's the in this part of the joke. Where's the
0: nitty-gritty? Where's the meat? Yeah, as it were. Yeah,
1: it, and it's very difficult to find that, and that's, that's the part. And it's like, how do you say it? How True. How is it to you, in your voice? That's the shit that always catches me out. I'm like, hold on, how do I say right.
0: this? Right. I think all comics struggle with that, because a lot of times you're like, uh, I'm going to kind of speak what how I feel and what mm-hmm. I feel like the truth is about this certain thing, but you're like, uh, will this ruffle feathers? Will people agree with me? You know, the classic comedians find the truth in everything and you can't and you laugh because you can't help but agree, even though sometimes it's horrible. You're like, oh, my God, but that's so funny because he's right or she's right. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. That's yeah, that's why
1: you're like, I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. at this. Well, that's
0: why parenthood is such a popular topic for comics because it's universal. And, you know, one comic comes out and says, don't you sometimes just want to murder your children? And all the parents laugh because they're like, hell yeah, I want to murder my children. <laughs> you know?
1: And then people in the audience like me that don't have children, I'm like, well, I sometimes want to murder other people's exactly. children. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get I feel it. It's true. I feel that pain. It's
0: true. Often <laughs> and always. <laughs>
1: have, have you had a chance yet to watch Whitney Cummings' new... Special. No,
0: our buddy Jay was asking me that the other day. I haven't. Um,
1: yeah, I I, I I haven't had a chance to either. Do you love her? I how wanted do you feel about to, her? Obviously, before this, I really I do like a lot of her comedy. I really do. Okay. I think she she um, she likes to pick on herself for her insecurities. Mm-hmm. I think she's like quite neurotic about stuff. She's talked before about um i think she takes beta blockers oh yeah for her that like sense. adrenaline so she's yeah she's like a little anxious there she's she she even talked about having some plastic surgery on this podcast and you can kind of tell like she's had definitely some botox or yeah something i think so. so a little work you know so so she she's working through these kind of anxieties and and it makes sense because she's she's on a show mm-hmm. she's famous People are looking at her. She's pretty, so they're judging her. they judge her on that immediately, getting, yeah. yeah. she's getting into an age where, look, she's not 25 anymore. Right. So wrinkles are starting to show, and things are. So there's a ton of pressure. Mm-hmm. And she uses her comedy to kind of work through it instead of being a female comic that that is just talking about vaginas all the time or, or just trying to, like, gross you out to get some attention. Um Right. I don't know. It's it, sometimes that pops up and it gets tiring. You're like, look, I know you're better than this. So stop saying those things. Exactly. I'm exactly. I'm not feeling this. Uh, but yeah, she's very clever. She, is, she clever. is incredibly clever for sure. You you can hear that on this podcast. And then, you know, she brings this sex doll to kind right. of sit with Joe, which was creepy as hell. Yeah, I mean, you could see it on... Two ways to watch this podcast or to listen to it. Obviously, just the audio. Mm-hmm. But even Joe says at the beginning, like, watch it. Watch the YouTube. It was horrifying, to be honest. That thing is really creepy. For one, it looks exactly like her. Right. Exactly. Its eyes move around. On, on Joe's Instagram, he has, like, a real close-up of it, like, responding. The talking's all jinky. Like, it's a mess. It's not sexy. But, I mean, how long... Until they get those shits perfect. Oh, man. Not long Ten at all, years. Man.
0: Not long at all. I don't know. Will that be better for the world or worse for the world?
1: I don't know. Right. Uh, I mean, or is it going to be neither? Does it have to have such an impact? Do things even have this much of an impact? No, I mean, no, no. to say, look how big you porn is. Over the last Douche. 10 years, it's like the most downloaded looked at thing that ever existed. Right. Right and, and there was all this concern for many, many years before this through religious pressure and whatever, mm-hmm. state to state. There was all this, you know, porn, magazines can't be legal, and you can't have strip clubs, and you can't. There was all this concern that the world went in. Right. Well, now a fucking 10-year-old can look at the most deprived shit they ever. Ever, ever imagined ever uh, Instantly, just as soon as he thinks of it, he can Google it and probably find it. And the world's not getting fucked up. Right, it's just existing and continuing well, Like we feel don't, like... we don't hear stories of all this deprived sexual weirdness. No, I do think you do have. I mean, I mean,
0: at least I've heard it talked about. There's definitely concerns that um, exposure to porn and things like that at such an early age has a lot of disadvantages um, for someone's sexuality, like in terms of like expectations for sex and in future relationships. Um, things, you know, the idea that Porn is not real sex. It's for entertainment and stuff. So I feel like, but sometimes I feel like, you know, some of these nerds out there that are just so fucking hostile towards women, I don't know, this might be kind of a, better relief so they can take their aggression out on a goddamn sex doll and leave the real people alone <laughs> you know what i mean it's like here it's like a punch yeah you know it's like their own version of a punching bag but then at the same time as i say that i'm like yeah well then they get a taste for it and they want to uh they, they want to uh what's the word
1: uh Ooh, step and step yeah
0: type of thing they escalate they a escalate it's a gateway drug to actually whitney- to two actual whitney cummings that's uh, probably you know, it'll all
1: come out in the wash. We're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will it be that outlaw? I mean, look, like you said, it's only really ten years that we've had this instant access on the phone. Yeah. So the like, you know, masturbation is is out of control, but. It's not long enough. It's not a longitudinal enough study to see how people's relationships are developing. Right. So that's entirely possible. It could make some, you know, oddly deprived kind of weird sexual beasts. But it's, look, man, it's the driving force of all existence. If it's not built into our DNA to find a comfortable equilibrium with this, then we don't have a chance, and we've been here a long time., yeah, I'm sure this is not it, it's 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 definitely better to have more access than less. I think less doesn't make people better. It doesn't make people treat people better right or understand sex and relationships better. I think it just makes us repressed and do fucked up things.
0: It's true, and repression's bad. I mean repression just an old coach of mine, an old acting coach, always used to say, uh, repression leads to deviancy and I think that I think there's something to that so I feel like your acting coach said yeah. this? well it was it oh, was wow. an interesting thing because there was um there was a young lady on stage who uh, had aspirations of being an actress but she wanted to um, but she was um she was very religious very Christian and there were certain um there were certain lines she would not cross and that is completely her prerogative and more power to her. But it was but stuff. butt stuff entirely. <laughs> so they, I won't do it in the butt. And I was like, well, you're never going to have a career. No. Um, <laughs> and he was like, you know, you, we as artists and we as actors and we as performers and we as human beings and then specifically you as, you as women have to define your boundaries. And that's incredibly important to define your boundaries. Um, I will say, though, that this is an expressive art form. And when it somehow he brought it he moved into the whole situation he was like but repression breeds deviancy and consider that just for your life not just for your profession but for your life what could possibly happen you know if you're repressing some of these things how will that show up in your life in other places and it was just food for thought but I thought it was a really um, I thought it was a really interesting thing and then you see it in the world a lot you know how many What's- how many stories do we hear about Catholic priests? You
1: know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's obviously a, an issue, and Joe brings that shit up a lot too. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, "Damn, Joe! Damn, Joe!" He's just like really hammering the church. But fuck it, why not? Right. I mean, they did awful things, and to just let them, a, a, so much of that is gone under the rug, and it's almost like it gets talked about a lot now to where. You do it around anyone that's Catholic. They're like, okay, we know the problems. I'm like, hold on. No, that should be important. Exactly. If you can sit there and tell me how proud you are to go to church. I think someone else could. It should be allowed to sit there and be like, oh, they're also fucked up. You know this, right? right. Do you think about this much? You know, I think it's, mm-hmm. again, easy for them just to not pay attention. What's a non-sexual deviant example that you can think of? Is it like when you say, I'm not going to eat any ice cream this month? And then you just keep thinking about that, and you repress it, and then you're like fucking eating all the ice cream. Could and cookies.
0: be. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, well, well, and just repression in terms of like, I mean, it's a damn good question. I wish I had a better answer prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But uh,
1: this isn't a prepared answer. This, show, is, so not, don't worry this about it. is not. This is not, folks. We're reflecting on a podcast conversation that was also not scripted and if we if we don't have anything for it then sorry (laughs) our bad (laughs) yeah our bad did you what did you think when they were talking about the dueling nazi scars right so on the podcast Mm -hmm. and uh they they talk about how um uh, these got like the what was it operation paperclip where we took all the or the uh, German Nazi um, rocket engineers, and that's how we built our space program. Right, right, right. Yeah. and all those guys came over. Well, some of them had these big scars, like, on their face, and they were officers, and they went to military officer schools, mm-hmm. and it was a sign of, like, strength and pride and all the rest of it, that they would duel with these fucking little swords, you know, like, fences. Right, right, right. And if you had, like, nasty slices on your face you were seen as being a man as a badass and it was like hot to women i'm like those fucking nazis are crazy they're
0: out of their goddamn i mean i think i think that's a universal truth right nazis are fucking insane um yeah it was this i mean they had such weird ideas of what machi- of machismo and strength i mean the fact that white haired you know blonde haired blue eyed people were the master race and things like that um
1: I think you have to have these like extreme: I think you did events and things going on to even build that kind of army, you know, to think that it was just Hitler came along, did like riled them all up right. with his meth- fueled speeches, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everyone's on board to do tons of fucked up shit right no exactly
0: um well it's it's a lot like what people will say about um you know politics state of politics in our country that um the man in the white house is not the cause but the symptom i feel like trump i mean i feel like hitler is kind of the same way he was he was a symptom of a mindset that was already in place he just he gave people permission to feel the way they felt already as opposed to you know feeling how they should feel fucking bad about things like that like master race and that you know germans are the should only be in germany and things like that yada 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 so i feel like they were primed they were in a mindset especially after world war one with their country just absolutely devastated um financially you know economically they were in a they were in a state of mind to allow this crazy shit because they were like well we're rock bottom so what are we going to do
1: yeah they were they were, desperate. they were desperate and they wanted their pride back because they've been a prideful people yeah and now this energy came and they were angry yeah and maybe that's maybe that's how they they well, get into it i th- I think it's fascinating often like how much this shit does come up on rogan's podcast mm-hmm. Yeah, i think it is just one of those things in history that's like wasn't that long ago and was really fucking bizarre, and yeah, people need to understand it as best they can in case it ever popped up again. And I think, I think so much of us just assumes it will never happen again. Mm. Like we've seen it, we know it, but it it happened then, and that was like a civilized time. Yeah, people had cars, they had electricity, they had similar things. It wasn't the fucking Stone Age, you know. They had governments in place. We had. Um, submarines and tanks and bombs and I mean it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a primitive time and boom there it was and there are countries now less developed that are developing yeah. that are not even in the place the Germans were in the forties mm. and they get guys that come along and this shit can creep in it does and well having having these conversations I think keeps it in your mind of like oh this is shit to watch out for this behavior is not. Good. Well, and you
0: go back to a good point of um of pride. That uh, um, that's a fair point. Like, that's what nationalists feed on—the idea of um exceptionalism. Wherever you are, German exceptionalism, American, blah 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 blah. You know. And how do we express it? You know, we express it in different ways, you know, economically, in sports. Sometimes you express it in war. Americans love to express their exceptionalism with war because, damn it all, I know you're a naturalized citizen. I've lived here my whole life. Um, yeah. Woof, you, lo- you love to, anytime France criticizes us once, the go-to answer is, well, if we had come saved your ass in World War II, as if like that's... That's it's like for for the end of time. They can never say anything bad about us because we like saved their life once. It's like well, you True. know, even when we're acting like assholes. But it's um.
1: Well, it is it is good to remind the French though. I, got, I mean,
0: yes, that was okay. a poor that was a poor example. They should be reminded. That was a poor example. <laughs> we can
1: remind them for a while. We're we'll keeping working. Absolutely. Hard. Maybe maybe. What was their sense of humor like? I feel like the Nazis didn't have a great sense of humor. I don't think so. I feel like that when your sense of humor is bad, when you can't do okay. For example, the roast battle, right? Uh-huh. So the next guest that was on Rogan's podcast for the week is Brian Moses. That's um, episode thirteen twenty nine. Now, now the same thing. Whitney used to do roasts, and she roasted uh, uh, shit, Joan Rivers, mm-hmm. and that was hilarious. It's it's so funny, like she I can't remember what she said. God, I wish I remember the joke. They said it on the podcast though, almost like her vagina had two entrances, nah. <laughs> one for white people and one for black. Like that's how old she is. Like that's a fucking that's crazy fucking joke. Hilarious, joke. brilliant, and it's funny too because Whitney is a sweetheart. Like she doesn't, she's not like the roaster type person, right? Right. But in the, in the same way, Brian Moses. He's done the roast battles now. at The comedy store for a long time. Mm-hmm. When? How long have you been performing at the comedy store?
0: Um, year and a half.
1: Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So he was there before Joe came back. So and Joe's been back now like five, six years. Right. And he he has this thing where he always makes everyone hug afterwards because it's so brutal. It's so difficult. Yeah. Right. And and Joe even talks about how squeamish it is for him. Even though he's the fucking commentator of the UFC, exactly. But he can't. But he can't watch the roast sometimes because it's so they brutal. They're so I,
0: brutal. They are. Just, oh man, it's like the Jeff Ross thing I yeah. sent you the other day.
1: Oh yeah, he doesn't really. care. He doesn't and, give and a shit. He has
0: never felt no. bad about a joke. I don't think.
1: <laughs> no, well, he's not encouraged to. He makes a living it's to true. do it, and people expect it. But it's but it's that beautiful thing about a society like it couldn't be more important to have the roast stuff mm-hmm. right i can't imagine myself ever doing that i don't know if i would ever go down that road i think it's very specialized and very hard to do and shit i don't know if i would take it too personally i think you got to be i don't know what it takes I to be think, a great roaster but they're always brilliant so
0: i wrote uh, like a year ago remember when there's the whole big hubba Baloo about the white house correspondence dinner um and it was uh it was what's her face michelle she had her own show on um on netflix uh red hair talks kind of like this and of course she leveled trump and the rest of the administration blah 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 blah. and of course she got oh yeah she's on the daily show she, yeah she bit. yeah yeah god forgive me i can't yeah, remember she's her. very funny she's very i like funny. her a lot damn it and i was you should know these names. i know i really should my brain is not working today and but I ended up I started writing my own roast jokes because I was like I could do this shit. This would be a blast. And I some of them I was pretty pleased with. Um, I feel like I could, and I feel like a lot of that comes from being. I was just as a kid picked on so much that I've learned to take a joke, and I've learned to take you know the proverbial punches and whatnot. But I and I can sure should give them out too. Um, so I think I'd enjoy it actually because I'm like you know you know that they're up there to be mean that's the whole purpose
1: yeah so I. well you know what's cool about it is you they do this thing where you actually work in teams i believe uh-huh. at least when you get to tv so like for example let's say you were performing and then we take me dave and you know some other comics that we know right and they tell you who you're up against and you get time to write a few jokes that's cool so you yeah you get like five I think jokes to to kind of put together and memorize and then you'll use them maybe in different orders depending on what they throw at you so there's there's definitely a practice portion right that goes with it and and some strategy uh, and th- those are the things about it I like because there's not often a great deal amount of structure in stand up and to have it kind of thrown at you that way could be kind of it could be a lot of fun but I also feel like you could get thrown off so bad. That you, you, your head would just be spared and you'd be like, fuck, I just got raped. Huge. You could,
0: you absolutely could. You could get destroyed.
1: Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean,
0: there's nothing quite like getting on the stage and everyone looking at you and you either being the butt of the joke or feeling like you don't have a joke and you are just, that is just disappointment. That is like disappointing in a, a woman in bed times a thousand right that is terrible that's a terrifying prospect you,
1: you don't see many veterans doing it either jimmy mm-hmm. Carr likes to do it that english comedian that has right, the right, right. laugh like a donkey mm-hmm. he loves to do those yep he really is into him but you don't you know it's not like you get chappelle just wandering in and crushing no. or like the waynes brothers after all this time we kind of like why and would I wonder they you know why a little bit
0: why would they well, want to I do think it? that
1: but if it's one of those things where, look, I've done this for so long, mm-hmm. I can stay very calm, I'm already good at picking on people. Right. Like, they, it just does seem like there's, there's kind of a, another level of fear that comes along Absolutely. with Absolutely. Oh, we're, um... Th- this is, like, next-level comedy. Almost. We've
0: neglected to mention the greatest roast, roaster comic of all time. That's Don Rickles, God rest his soul.
1: Oh, yeah. It was the
0: greatest. God. Go watch some of those old... Um, Uh, uh, Dean Martin roasts find some clips on YouTube Mm. find Rickles oh my some of his shit was so far over your head you're like I don't even know I'm sure he just obliterated this dude but I don't know what he said by it but god he was so funny but that's what he did he was an insult comic always like he picked on the audience that's what he did he was amazing
1: yeah he was absolutely fat and really brutal even now you'll hear some and you'll be like fuck knowing how sensitive they were back then I mean it, it just makes it that much more powerful. Oh man. I think it's incredibly important yeah. that that this kind of crazy shit happens. I mean they even compare it a little bit to to like uh those Japanese game shows mm-hmm. in the sense of like it's a really fucked up thing that we like to watch. Like the roast battles are funny. Right. But we know someone's getting their feelings are hurt. And then we could imagine someone saying it to someone else and us watching it and being able to get joy out of someone else's pain, horrible discomfort. I know. And then you take those shows like those weird Japanese shows where they've like, you know, they trick someone into thinking their house exploded or their family died and they've just found out and then they've got to react and then everyone laughs at them. <laughs> like those shows are fucked up. They really are. <laughs> they are. are. crazy. Oh, Japanese shows are always so, fucked up. Though. So much pleasure. <laughs> and and that really is like the beginning of fear factor which is you know joe's show i right. mean it has to be because i remember when that first came on we no one had ever seen anything like no that. i was pretty young and i was like this is fucking great and crazy oh i watched and i was like oh i'm out i was like oh that dude from news radio yeah i ain't doing that shit <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when they the, some of the stuff they would eat, and I'm just like, oh Jesus, this know. is horrific. Wasn't um so horrific.
0: Joe was actually on Pell Store uh, show when uh, they did the Fear Factor sketch, right? Wasn't that Joe? And um Chappelle yeah, yeah, came on as the cracked yeah, with, out what's dude. What's his and name? He was like
1: the t- oh, that's Ty- for- Ty- yes, is it Tyrone or Tyree? I think or- it was, yeah, it was something. Anyway, like, yeah, the cracked out dude. Because we're like, okay, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Scratching his neck yes. and didn't he have to jump to the bottom of something to get some crap yes. and he's like, I'm in, <laughs> yes. just goes and does it immediately. That's fucking hilarious. Joe Joe showed up a few times on Chappelle's, That's right, that's right. Um I think second season was when he showed up being Joe Rogan on Fear Factor. The right. first season they were just walking around New York, Dave had like a fake mustache on, and they were handing out stickers for great boobies. That was it. That was the whole skit. That's right. It was just him and Joe. Joe was like holding the box. Mm. And the story behind that I heard is that he just like wandered in. He just was wandering around and and bumped into Joe and was like, hey, we're about to film this. You want to come? Joe's like, fuck yeah. Oh, that's amazing, dude. What a great story. Dude, what a time to have lived in New York and known all those types of comics that would have been out there. Right. And just had that opportunity to like build those relationships work those clubs and that's that's pretty unbelievably cool to have been able to be like a lifer amongst it all and you know so many people drop out so many people disappear but we're the ones that can hold on hold on and you get to know them all and and keep performing with them and um i i think that's one of the bits about comedy that you know, if you and I continue with stand up and keep pushing it, sure we we'll get 10, 15 years that we we'll get to develop a, a little bit of that relationship. Was mm-hmm. but being able to be there, like Chappelle's been in it since he was seventeen. I know it's insane. You show? watch
0: him on his first appearance on Letterman; he looks like he's nineteen. He might have been.
1: Unbelievable. He's, he Probably was because he,
0: and he was doing a lot of the jokes that he started doing and he did in Killing Him Softly or Killing Me Softly um but you could it was interesting because they were clumsy they were a little over the place you could see how he really honed that just for his special like the jokes weren't as tight they you know they're a little rambly a little stumbly and then by the time he gets to his special that shit is legit
1: yeah well he's brave he is i mean he, he he's worked the the toughest areas the hardest clubs he used to do the street-forming shit right, where he just take the microphone and go. I mean, that it builds such a thick skin, and you get to play in so many angles. I mean, I couldn't have more respect for how he's done his comedy. And when people yep. – like, yeah, he's a genius, right? He's obviously one of those guys that was probably always going to be very, very funny. It's true. But he also was incredibly brave, and those two things aren't related a lot of times. Right. He just fucking went for it. Yep. And starting that young, I mean, now he's so bulletproof. Completely. I mean, I think he's, it would be like having four PhDs or like a fifth degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Exactly. I don't know what it's like when you've done something for 35 years at pretty much the highest level. Top of
0: your game, damn near from the beginning.
1: That's just Dude, like... He was in... That's insane. Men in Tights, the Mel Brooks... The first time I ever saw him um, and I thought he was hysterical. He was a teenager. Teenager, you combine Mel Brooks yeah.
0: and Dave Chappelle. Oh my god! I remember. Well, I remember. L- he laughing games. so hard, I cried at that movie.
1: <laughs> I li- I that cried. movie is fucking ridiculous.
0: Oh, it's so love good, it. so good.
1: Yeah. And I think the so. The big talk is yeah. When is Rogan on? I mean, when is when is Chappelle on Rogan? Oh, it's got to be soon. I can't wait. Everyone that is a fan is talking about it. Um, that'll be. It's got to be close. That'll be fantastic because Joe,
0: Joe isn't like some guy on CNN asking bullshit questions. They'll get into the nitty gritty of a lot of shit, and that'll be a really interesting conversation. Did you watch um, *Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee* with Chappelle?
1: Um, I don't think I. It have was okay. Seen that one, you know, I haven't seen many of those. I need to watch. It more was
0: okay. Of those. It was okay. Joe will be right. But that was more like. And it was two colleagues that respect each other, but they're not close. And they're having a little bit of a conversation about their industry. But yeah, I feel like he and Joe, they're, I feel like they're boys. That's that's going to be really interesting. That one I cannot wait yeah, for. Yeah, well, you
1: know, they're definitely close to have gone on this tour recently. And that is a bit of what I do think about that show. No disrespect to it, because it's a great show. And I love, be, I love cars and I love comedy. And I love seeing right. a lot of those guests on there. But you do... Notice the ones that Jerry's close to. He's close to Ricky Gervais, Mm -hmm. right? Or at least he knows him because Gervais worships him. Often in New York, yeah, yeah. And then you've got you've got um, Louis C.K., who has worked with Seinfeld quite a bit. Seinfeld showed up on his show, right? So you know, and Jimmy Fallon. So those episodes were closer, Mm -hmm. more jokey, and more friendly, right? But then you have that episode that he did with um, Barack Obama. Yeah, it was really quite awkward. As fuck. It was very awkward, and it's kind of the same way with the other comedians that you must assume Jerry's not that close. To yeah, you. so it I just think so. kind of makes it. Well, Jerry's makes it aw- a bit weird. Jerry's
0: an awkward dude, anyway. I mean, I think he even admitted he's he's on the spectrum or very close to being on the spectrum or something of that sort, and he's kind of an awkward. He's an awkward dude. He, you know, his awkward encounters and. I feel like he, and he's, it's also, he's so incredibly intelligent, so smart, so uh, I think he has trouble relating sometimes to people that aren't quite on that level too. I mean, because I don't think he finds other people all that interesting. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I believe,
1: I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of has, not that he comes across as smug. No. But he definitely is paying a lot of attention and he's not very interested exactly. with what a lot of people a say. A lot of
0: times it reminds yeah. me of like Letterman when the Kardashians would come on. And you knew Letterman oh, was just yeah. f- hated this, just fucking hated every moment of it. And so, <laughs> I mean, he was generally respectful, but there were always these subtle hints of, like, I don't like you. I find you worthless. You know what I mean? I don't think Jerry does yeah. that, but I think there's definitely a bit of, like, eh, this isn't going to be my favorite guest. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. 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 Did you watch the recent one with um Eddie Murphy? No, I need to. Was that good? That's the big one. And then well, no, I haven't seen it. Okay. I just seen clips. And then they talk about but I mean it's getting a lot of press because I think that was the first time that he was like, That's I'm, right. go- I'm gonna get back into it. That's what he said. I'm getting back into it, yeah. I think Maybe it was Ed, uh, it was Seinfeld that got him in touch with the with the Netflix people. I think Seinfeld somehow was involved in in kind of setting this up. And it's amazing. That's where that, that huge seventy million dollar deal came along. Um. Yeah, that's f- phenomenal. But I'd like to see it. I'd like to see that one just to kind of see where his head's at. What it bring, what it takes to bring it back. It's kind Agreed. of unprecedented. Yeah. What What do you think about? Do you think that Joe is pissed? that he hasn't been invited on that show because a lot of his friends have
0: mm, that's a good question a
1: L- lot of the new york guys have that's a really good question
0: i you know i bet there's a i bet there's a hint of i
1: don't know maybe and not. like am i not respected yeah amongst? maybe
0: type thing and uh, i'm gonna be honest maybe that is the reason maybe jerry doesn't think as much of him as a comic I mean, you Who never knows? know. He's did he didn't do yeah. it in the sa- He didn't do it the traditional way that a lot of guys did, especially when Jerry was coming up. His comedy is incredibly different from Jerry's. Um, he's he's much more of an abrasive comic, um, very blue collar. Jerry's not. Um, I'm yep. wondering if there's just a little culture clash there, maybe. But he should be on there because he's a goddamn influ- influential comic, influential yeah. b- human being.
1: Yeah, but again, it, Jerry is the one that gets to hang true. out with him. It's Jerry's show, so Jerry chooses. I mean, probably the same for Rogan. Absolutely. Rogan doesn't want guests on that he's not interested in talking to. Yeah, why would you? Um, that would be interesting, though, because you know then that Jerry would go on um, Joe's podcast. And three hours of Jerry, I think we really would find... we'd f- It would be interesting, because you only get snippets. I think the longest interview I ever saw with him is uh, who was that old fucking guy that used to do the interviews like all this shit and he's super boring. Larry King. Um, Larry yeah. King, yeah. No, f- sorry. I guess I've insulted. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> is he alive? Doesn't no, matter. he's still alive. But- he's still kicking. All right, right. On his, on he, his ninth his So Seinfeld probably. was on that. Yeah. And he was just like, well, wait, you know, what about this when your show was canceled? And Jerry I, was like, are you fucking kidding my me? Show like, wasn't, my show wasn't canceled. It wasn't canceled. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was adopted. Yeah, that was on, um, well, that was on Larry.
0: That wasn't a uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. That was a. Uh...
1: No, 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 Okay, Yeah, that yeah, was on Larry's show. And that was long enough for, for like, that was an interview that was long. You know, yeah. where, where actually, it wasn't Jerry coming up with the questions. No, I
0: liked, I actually liked the old Larry King show when he had interesting guests because they would talk. Um, same vein, different type of show entirely. The Graham Norton show, I love that because the guests stay on the entire time. So it's not just five minutes yeah. and they're out and then a musical guest and a bunch of stupid bits. It's like you talk to these guys and you, you, get, you get to hear interesting stories and you get to see them do things that they don't normally do. I really appreciate that. I like, uh, yeah, I don't
1: know. and there's no better platform than Joe's three-hour goddamn podcast. Sat there, like if you want to know who someone is, yeah. I mean, it's you're going to be hard pressed to hide who you are. That whole one hundred percent, Joe. Joe gets people to talk. Sometimes people are pretty defensive, but I think we get a lot out of Seinfeld to be on that. But mm-hmm. regardless, regardless, Seinfeld being on, we got to get Chappelle on. Oh, dude. That's going to be epic. Oh, I, I, just, I cannot wait i would i cannot wait and this is kind of the build-up to it. this is two good comedic guests it was nice to get to know both of them i think of the two i enjoyed i think i enjoyed whitney cummings mm-hmm. the most yeah just because she's so smart and she takes things in different directions and she has this really interesting way of kind of breaking stuff down but she's a bit more comfortable on the podcast i think brian hadn't been on before so sure it was a little bit of like star struck i get it when that happens joe ends up talking most of the time right i think just to ease him in he does but uh yeah we're gonna have a good couple of weeks i just want to give a shout out to everyone listening thank you so much as always for downloading we're gonna keep bringing you these and keep making them you know as best as we can uh follow us on instagram yeah, joe rogan experience review there's like another review one on there for some guys out of canada we're the american for the american version of of the review. and the original the version. oldest review yeah. the original the original review we've been in we i think we've done 170 episodes i've done a fuck time i've of done about yeah, eight so we're gonna keep them coming <laughs> good job good job mark it, it add up quick. i know it will. i know uh it will. that's it so thank you buddy you got it baby Alright, cheers. Bye.